0: You're listening to Speak Loud, resilient stories of triumph and hope, helping you to turn your past into fuel for your best future. Here's your host, founder of the 501c3 Share, providing resource and support for trauma victims, and a survivor herself, Tiffany Barnes.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Speak Loud loud podcast as always i'm your host tiffany barnes and thank you for joining me here today i'm super stoked i've got somebody in house i'm not doing a zoom today i mean i did do a zoom today but this interview is live i've got somebody in studio somebody i've known for a very long time dear friend of mine his name is sean singleton we've known each other what like at least 15 years
0: yeah, it's been about fifteen, I'd say yeah. for sure.
1: Fifteen years, and uh you your progress, what I have seen you do in your life as an entrepreneur is pretty badass. Serious. <laughs> yes. I met you just you were working at a jiffy lube at the time, right? By my house, and we struck up a friendship. We both had Hondas, we both were <laughs> Honda friends, <laughs> and uh just known you throughout the years. We've stayed in touch and you've always had that entrepreneurial mind, which I just love about you. And now you're doing your own thing. You're running your own shop, Starboys Auto. Make sure you go check them out. Not Star (laughs) Auto Boys. (laughs) Starboys Auto. Uh, Just down off of 123rd South.
0: 123rd South, Minuteman Drive, Draper.
1: Yeah, so go check him out for all your automotive needs. That's not why he's on here, though. Um, I wanted to wrap with you today about uh, some of the things you've been through, especially because you're a man. There's not a lot of men that have the courage to come out and talk about some of the the things you've been through. But uh, before we do that, I want to ask you the most important question. What are you here to speak loud about?
0: Well, I'm just here to speak loud about... You know, whatever your situation is, whatever you've been through overcoming as, you know, a kid, a youth, um, you can overcome it. Like, you can't always control, you know, everything that every hand that you're dealt, you know, in those scenarios as, as a child or, you know, as a youth. And uh, I just want to share that whatever you've been through, you can overcome.
1: Absolutely. And really, they say your mess is your message too, right? So the things you've been through becomes your message ultimately as an adult in life. And I haven't heard a ton of your story. You've told me little pieces and snippets of it. Um, but I want to bring this whole mosaic together into one big picture. I know you grew up a lot without a dad as a kid. And uh, you lived with your grandparents for a good portion of your life, too, I feel you mentioned. So tell me, what was it like growing up as Sean Singleton <laughs> uh, back in the day?
0: All right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of start from the beginning a little bit. And the funny thing is, I usually don't I don't share this with a lot of people. So this is kind of like a little bit of a coming out, you know, as far as, you know, the the whole picture. Because people know, like, little bits and pieces. Um, and But they don't know where it started. Right. So... So, for me, where I'd say it really started was, you know, I grew up with my mom, my younger brother, and my stepdad at the time. The funny thing is, uh, I didn't know he was my stepdad until I was about eight years old, and my mom and him were going through a divorce. Oh, wow. So, up until the time I was eight, I thought, you know, it was one of those situations where I thought he was my real dad.
1: Oh, wow. Like, okay. he was
0: my dad. You yeah. Know? And so... I didn't realize I had a different dad and, you know, until I was like eight and, you know, my mom and, and him were going through a divorce and everything. And, uh, I mean, yeah, that was, that was tough. So I think at that point it was pretty rough because it, clearly that's kind of traumatic as a kid to to learn yeah. all that and, uh, to have a dad that you believe is your dad, you know, for those first eight years that, you know, I, I thought I was really close to, um, until they got a divorce and it was almost like overnight, you know, all of a sudden, you know, he's not my dad anymore. He, I seen him one time after they divorced. And so, I don't know, it's kind of a, kind of rocks you a little bit as a kid. Yeah, that's your
1: formative <laughs> years. So yeah. you just like your earliest memory till eight, he was your dad.
0: Yeah, like absolutely. You know, every wow. da- dad stuff, you know, working on cars, going camping, learning how to fish, you know, just all those little, little moments that you think you're sharing with your dad, you know, come to find out wasn't your dad i mean and i think it back then it clearly was it was a lot as a kid but i mean i think that where it really hurt though was like after the divorce and and kind of being like tossed away like you know he's not my my real son you know what i mean type of deal yeah because of you know my mom's gone and you know now we're on our own and and uh my brother ended up moving in with them
1: okay and that wasn't his dad either
0: that was his dad oh so that's so we're me and my brother half brothers okay I I mean, I have uh, a few half-brothers, or I mean, I, he's my half-brother, and then I had another younger half-brother, we'll get to him, but, um, and then some half-sisters. I don't have any, like, real, you know, siblings. Like, biological or, no siblings. Bi- biological, they're all half-brothers and sisters, but, so anyways, that was, like, a really big deal, I think, for me, looking back, because sometimes you gotta, like, look back to wonder, you know, how you got where you got, and things like that, why you went through what you went through. Mm-hmm. And girl, going through, through all that, I didn't realize at the time, maybe the impact it might've had on me because you're just in the matrix, you know, in those years, I feel like you're just growing up and and doing the thing, you know? But, uh, so after that whole falling out, we ended up moving in with my grandma. And so that was, you know, fourth grade or so. And, uh, I mean, I did pretty good at my, at my grandma's. She was, she tried her best, you know, to take care of me. But I think, like I said, looking back, having that little fallout with my stepdad and that whole experience, you know, it really, it kind of changed me.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, I can only imagine. So I want to like actually put some more detail to that. So did your mom just say, Hey, we're getting a divorce. And by the way, this guy's not really your dad. Or how did you truly find that out? Did he tell you? And then he's like, Hey, I'm not going to be in your life. Or just how did that news land on your lap?
0: Um, so actually, you know, I still to this day don't know, they just kind of had like those irre- irreconcilable differences to where, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just, they were young. Um, my mom had me when she was 15. Okay. So, I mean, it was, she. they were super young. So, I mean, so by the time, you know, I'm eight, and she's only 23. And <laughs> you're the oldest. Yeah. Okay. So I just think they're really young, weren't weren't ready for marriage and just had a hard time, you know, making it work. I mean, we lived in a trailer park and I mean, we were little hood and didn't have a lot of money and, you know, all those things at play. And so just for whatever reason, you know, it it just didn't work out between them and, Mm -hmm. uh, went on, turned the page, you know, went on to the next thing. And sure. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, like I said, those early years, that's, that was the, you know, the big, you know, life changing thing that I went through, I think. Um, So going to my grandma's, I kind of took, I don't know, that anger. I had that built up anger and, you know, frustration and resentment and, you know, all those things. And I didn't have. So backing up a little bit, I find out I have another dad. I met him one time. My real dad, but my real dad's never been a part of my life. Even after I found out I have a real dad, he never stepped up to be my dad or anything. So now I'm left, you know, now I have a stepdad, a real dad, but I have no dad. Right. All at the same time. Nobody's stepping
1: up to be in your life. Right. So I mean
0: my grandma was more than you know, she's kind of the one that that really took me took me in and my mom didn't even live with us. So my mom was, you know, living with friends and and whatnot and
1: so this divorce happens and she just kind of like leaves you kids at grandma's house and that's it? Does she come back?
0: <laughs> well, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. So you know what? Funny thing. So there was one little moment. So what we did was we moved out and we moved into an apartment. Okay. We made it like a month or just over a month. And my mom couldn't pay. She We couldn't even afford rent. Like, mm. I literally lost everything I had. Like at, at that moment, right there, like yeah. Every everything I had, but the clothes on my back. One of those types of deals. Like we got evicted. We got the keys. We got you know got locked out. The whole whole thing. And and uh, I still remember my mom. You know, not really. I, I felt like even as an eight year old, like there's got to be more you can do to get my stuff. You know, all my little things. And you know, I like a. Weekend before that, I had won some cool prizes at some raffle, and I had, like, this really cool big stuffed animal and all these little things that, you know, as a kid, that's like, little highlights for of yeah. your life, you know, you're excited about. And just, you know, Nintendo games and all that stuff, right? I mean, that was everything I had. Right. And, I mean, being eight, you know, I just, it's like the rug got pulled out from under, under me, and, you know, I didn't have nothing at that moment, like, but what I was wearing, for real. <laughs>
1: So talk about not only just having the rug ripped out from underneath you with a dad. Yeah. Then your home environment's just like the same way. Yeah. I mean, you have nothing. So you probably have some attachment issues at this point, right? You don't want to yeah. attach to anything cuz it's going to be ripped away from you.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's funny. I do I did have attachment issues for a long time. I cherished every single thing I had. It yeah. took me years, even just up until recently, to where I was finally able to like let that go mm. to where I to realize, well, you know, things aren't important, you know, people and relationships and family and you know, there's way more important stuff than material items and possessions and stuff. Yeah. But for many years I was always about my little things. If it even if it was worth five dollars, you know, it meant the world to me because it was mine, you know?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I do I do know what you mean.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so so there was that little month and then it was you know somewhere in that little month of getting kicked out and all that good stuff i guess we didn't nec- I'd say my mom more sent me to my grandma's would probably be better term for like it, she you know? knew
1: that she couldn't care yeah. for you yeah so she was doing the best thing she thought she could do and that's send right. you off to grandma
0: Shit me off to grandma's which wasn't a bad thing you know i'll admit yeah. because you know my grandma i love my grandma and you know she was a stable person and somebody that i did grow up with you know we always visit her you know holidays and all that good stuff it was she was kind of the her house was kind of the place we'd we'd all meet and you know family get togethers and things like that so it was always a good time but like i said it was good, but at the same time, I I don't know what 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 changed in me, but I definitely carried something from that other those other experiences to my grandma's house. And so, what that did to me was it made me. I was super rebellious. I you know acted out a lot. I got in a ton of fights. I got suspended a lot. Um, all kinds of trouble. I mean, I had criminal charges against me as a youth for just dumb things, fights, and uh lighting off illegal fireworks, and just all kinds of just random stuff, vandalism. Yeah. Um, in uh, elementary, I had that label, the toughest kid in fourth grade, the toughest <laughs> kid in fifth grade, and sixth grade, and stuff, because I was always, I would always get in fights. I'd always have to, I don't know, prove myself somehow, or try to feel, that maybe that made me feel better about myself for some reason, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know if I was necessarily a bully, but I think at times I was. At, at times I... I stood up against other bullies to protect people. It was just, it was a weird, really weird time, I'd say for sure. Uh, Elementary, you know, absolutely.
1: It sounds like you really just turned your grief and your loss and, you know, all the things into anger. And and I think that happens to a lot of people. There's all those stages of grief, right? And the anger is one of them. Mm -hmm. And when I say grief, when I say grief, people think it comes to somebody dying. Not necessarily. You were grieving the loss of a dad, a father figure in your life, And now your mom is not really there, and you're hanging out with, you know, your grandma, which she tried to do the best she could. So I think, like you say, you just didn't know how to process what you went through. And so you just became angry.
0: Right. Yeah. I didn't know how to process it. And like you said, if you, you know, sometimes you lose somebody, like somebody passes away or something. I think it almost hurt more because I had those people in my life. They didn't pass away. They were there. They were still there. But, you know, they dismissed me. You know what I mean? Like I didn't exist (laughs) yeah so I think that in ways hurts more than really losing someone
1: so when you were acting out and doing all these things did mom come back into the picture at all to be like hey come on son you can't be doing this or was Um, it more just grandma so
0: yeah so uh, about that same time my mom you know she was probably off a rocker a little bit to be honest you know I think that those are about the years that my mom started getting into drugs and having some drug issues and some other, you know, I had some other family members that kind of went down the same path. And so, you know, that was tough. I think the next big change was, uh, you know, I made it through, through a few years with my grandma before my mom did have that appearance of stability where she was with somebody and they had a house together or lived in a home, you know, rental and everything, but it looked like, you know, she was getting on her feet and, it looked like there was some stability there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if I f- feel like I wore out my welcome with my grandma, but I definitely feel like I, you know, I was a lot. <laughs> I was a lot to handle. And so I, I at that point, I decided I was going to move back in with my mom and her boyfriend.
1: And what age were you at this time? That was
0: in seventh grade. Okay. So I started off seventh grade. I went to Hillcrest Junior High in Murray. Um, I moved in with uh, with my mom and who soon, who became my stepdad, her boyfriend that, you know, they got married down the road. Um, but that brought a whole, whole nother craziness, I think, and instability just because I moved a lot. We moved so much. I went to four different junior highs. I ended up going to four different junior highs and five different high schools in that really short time. But, uh, what happened was with those guys, I, I was the exact same. It didn't change anything in me. It actually made it enhanced it. It made me worse oh, because, you know, he is my stepdad. He wasn't, you know, my dad. So sometimes he would try to pull that discipline type stuff on me. And I was like, I said, I was so rebellious and just not having it that, you know, we got in a lot of arguments, a lot of fights. I mean, I've literally been in fistfights with my stepdad like at different times. Sure. Um, growing up. Um, yeah, it was just, it's, it was a pretty, pretty wild time we just never seen eye to eye on anything throughout those years it's crazy because we're we're really good friends now oddly enough you know it's like looking back it's you just yeah. you just know that you were in, you weren't in your right frame of mind back then and you know i was just a disrespectful you know young punk and i guess is the best way to put it but i got in tons of trouble like i said a uh, vandalism um i did a lot of a uh, like theft type stuff. I started breaking into cars and you know, I was using drugs at an early age. I think eighth grade's when I started using marijuana and I never drank a lot, but I would drink occasionally, you know, back in those days and go go get a forty.
1: <laughs> I remember those, <laughs> go, yeah.
0: Go steal some forties from the seven eleven or whatever. But uh
1: Do you think you did it to get attention?
0: You know, I I I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know why. Yeah. Now looking back, like I just think I had, you know, I had that anger, I had that free reign. Like I didn't have like the disciplinary type people in my circle to really keep me on the straight and narrow,
1: or even anybody to disappoint. It sounds like I mean, like you didn't care if you disappointed your mom or your stepdad. It sounds. I mean, maybe I'm making this part up, but is that how you felt?
0: That's accurate. (laughs) I feel like my grandma was the only person that I really would cared about you know how i made her feel yeah on any level because i did you know i did love and respect her um like i said i didn't always in those early years didn't always show it to the level that i i wish i would have but um you know like you just learning experiences you just grow from i guess like i said now looking back that's why i'm that's why i'm saying you know like whatever i just call it being a product of my environment is what i always say and that's what builds who you are. So if I, if you don't have the influences, if you don't have the positive people surrounding you, if you don't have, you know, that stability, you know, your, your life can go all, all sorts of different directions.
1: (laughs) Right. So you started breaking into cars, drinking, doing some marijuana. Did you continue down the path of criminal activity or what happened from there? Yeah.
0: So yeah, it just, it just continued to escalate. Like I was literally out of control. (laughs) Um, So especially going into, you know, later junior high years, you know, ninth grade into the summer before high school and even into high school. So that was, that was terrible. (laughs) So uh, I was, I was stealing, I mean, almost on a regular, like getting, breaking into cars, but a ninth, 10th grade, I think it was the summer between ninth and 10th grade. One of my family members uh, started giving me methamphetamine. I mean, I was 15, I think when I started using it and so you know we would do lines of meth and smoke it and all that kinds of stuff and you know how that gets you gets you all amped up and wired and get you tripping a little bit and that's literally was like my medicine to go do these things you know these troubles you know breaking into cars and stealing cars and and other things we I was really into graffiti at the time too like we were painting a lot of stuff and Painting walls and just vandalism type acts, I guess.
1: But you'd be hyped up on meth, so but that yeah. was a big part of it too. Yeah,
0: yeah. so I mean that's <laughs> crazy to look back and think this is a family member that gave me that. You know, I couldn't sure. imagine doing that to my own kids, let alone any kid. Sure. But uh yeah, it was just a path to destruction. But so I was I was using meth, I was breaking into things. Then I became I started selling LSD acid. Like in 10th grade. And uh, from what I know, I was probably the, at the time of anybody I knew. And I knew a lot of people because I'd been to so many schools and, you know, I had pretty good connections and knew a lot, a lot of people across the valley and from all the different uh, junior highs. They were all spread out around Salt Lake. But uh, so I started selling acid and, in 10th grade. And from what I know, I was like one of the biggest acid dealers in the damn state because of how much I was getting and how much I was dealing. And I was making a lot of money. Like it was full blown drug dealer type status.
1: Where were you getting it from? Was this that family member? They connected you to the drug dealer?
0: Uh, No, I, I I met another person, um, through some friends, older, older people. So back then I, I had a lot of older influences, but they were all negative. You know what I mean? Like there, I literally had like a, you know people that I would all sell all my stolen goods to, right? Mm. I mean, I wasn't selling them to other high school kids. I was selling them to, you know, people that were I guess kind of they're preying on me a little bit like I was their I was their little tool, you know what I mean? Like to to do this stuff. And so and it was just quick money for me. And so you know, it was kind of fun <laughs> honestly at the time. Like, like thrilling, like, right? Like thrilling, adrenaline rush, all that kind of stuff looking back, you know. Um but uh yeah, clearly now, you know, as an adult, it's like what? I can't believe I, what I did, you know, to other people. As a hardworking adult today, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine and I'd uh I wouldn't be a good person to run into if you know if somebody is breaking into my car right now, you know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> but uh so yeah, so there was a lot of that going on and clearly when you're mixing those types of drugs you know, in your life, it leads to, it just escalates into, it spirals into so many other things. You know, I just didn't care like about anything. You know, I was just those experiences were they were, they were, they were just crazy. <laughs> but, uh, looking back as well, I feel like what hurts me the most, I'd say right now is the impact. Cause I'm so big on like being a positive influence today on others. And I know that I was completely opposite back then like i was such a negative influence on like my friends and and the people around me because i was always like the ringleader i was always the one you know sucking other people into that and ironically enough even today right now my cousin who i was really close to you know he's in prison right at this moment and my best friend my childhood best friend um is in prison right at this moment so, I mean, luckily enough, even going through all those, all these things and I was able to at some point, you know, turn the corner on some stuff.
1: Yeah. That, so that was going to be your path like that. You were going down the path of you were going to be in prison yourself. Yeah. So what was the turnaround for you?
0: All right. So shoot, I haven't even got to some of the stuff. Like,
1: yeah, go ahead. Please tell I mean, more.
0: Shoot. <laughs> I mean, that's, this is 10th grade, right? I mean, sure, yeah. not even through 10th grade yet, but uh, I didn't pass a single class you know in the in 10th grade i didn't pass one class i just showed up to you know to drug deal and find out who i was going to hang out with and i just go blow off the rest of the day hanging out with people and getting in trouble and then uh it was pretty similar results in 11th grade 12th grade i started trying to focus a little bit more on on school cuz i think once 18 starts approaching you it starts to become real like, like, I'm
1: going to be an adult like and try for adult things. I
0: started feeling that. So yeah. So, this is where the turnaround started. I started feeling, okay, at some point, you know, I'm going to have to, it's just going to be me. You know, I'm going to have to take care of myself. And that's where I've I've always said, you know, you're you're a product of your environment, because there's so many years that I, you know, all I knew was what I knew in the circle and the influences, and it was all bad. Like, it was, you know, I had, like I said, I had some, felt some love from my grandma and, you know, some family and stuff, but... I wasn't learning anything from my family. I feel like I wasn't give, given direction. I wasn't being pushed to, to do anything or be anything. You know, I was literally thinking, I you know, I'm just going to be happy with any, a job, any job, you know, mer- making minimum wage. That was my aspirations. You know what I mean? <laughs> just to, sure. To start out with, you know what I mean? So um, it wasn't until I started, you know, until I was getting closer to 18 that I, I was realizing, all right, well, I'm at some point I'm going to have to, I'm going to be on my own, have to take care of myself. So I, I was started thinking, well, what am I going to do? (laughs) And I think that's where it started kicking in. But at the same time, I was still doing all those other things. I just hadn't separated myself from it yet. So somewhere in the middle, I was about to turn 18 and I signed up for Job Corps just on my own. I think in, in school, at some point there was like a presentation or like a little assembly where those guys came out and I remember at the time I was just laughing, you know, like, there's no way I'm going to Job Corps. There's a dress code. There's, you can't do this and you can't do that, you know?
1: Yeah, tell more about Job Corps for people who don't know. What yeah, is it?
0: Yeah, so Job Corps is a government program. It's like a government trade school, basically. And they also offer um, a high school within it to be able to graduate. So that that way, you know, you could graduate high school and have a trade to graduate from Job Corps. But it's just you know usually it's for um, at risk youth and sometimes there's court ordered um, deals where you know the court sends you to job corps. That's part of uh, you know if you get in a certain kind of trouble or whatever. That's that could be part of your deal to go to job corps.
1: But that didn't happen for you. You it didn't chose to, me. to go in.
0: I chose to go. Um, luckily enough for me, I got away with a lot. Like I didn't. Thankfully, there's many things that I did that you know what I mean. Like I could have easily ended up. And, uh, detention or, or jail <laughs> yeah. and been in a lot more trouble. So there was definitely some luck on my side. Like, I, I don't think, uh, I think for whatever reason, you know what I mean? I had more purpose than, than that. And so I'm glad that I, you know, took that, moved on and grew from it and I'm doing better now, you know? <laughs> sure.
1: But then in job court, I know you've kind of told me a little bit offline, like you became like, weren't you the one that checked everybody's beds or something you were saying?
0: okay yeah so like i said i was always kind of like the you know i was kind of a ringleader of my friends i was always an influencer you know
1: oh alexis alexa thanks for talking to her anyways go ahead
0: hey alexa (laughs) hey alexa (laughs) but uh so in job corps with having that structure right that i have never had before you know having to follow the rules and regulations and all that good stuff you know to be be successful there. And I went in there knowing that, all right, if I'm going to go, there's no option, but to graduate, you know, be successful with it, get the most out of it. And so I go and I'm, you know, almost instantly become a leader amongst, you know, my peers. Cause we're all the same age, you know, all similar, but different. You know, a lot of them been in trouble. Some of them came on their own free will. Most of them were, you know, some kind of at risk youth or ordered to go there, but, I mean, I fit right in. I'm mean, the exact same type of person as them. But I think I had some kind of leadership qualities that I didn't even realize that I had. And they uh, you also offer, you know, the training and, and stuff. You know, it's a program. Like, they there's a method behind everything to where they're trying to – that's what they're trying to develop out of these people anyway. You know, they want to turn you into, you know, good individuals and with jobs and, you know, be able to make it in society. Sure. <laughs> And so I I think I was only there a month or two and I became, they call it a white hat in in the trade I was in, which was facilities maintenance. You know, I basically fixed everything on center and it's kind of a, you know, the jack of all trades type position where you got to kind of do a little bit of everything. But I was really good at it. I was, you know, attention to detail and crafty and, you know, I'm able to, I was able to work on stuff and and it it all came out high quality. (laughs) And so they made me the leader. And I was able to then be in charge of other people and be kind of be their coach. And I think I really liked that. And so I just kind of kept doubling down on it while I was there. And then I became the, uh, president of my dorm.
1: Oh, wow. Pretty,
0: pretty quickly. And that was a uh, 60, 62 people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: something like that. And, uh, yeah, that definitely, you know, got me off to the right track. It started bringing me the taking me the right direction anyway i still had it you can't drop all that stuff that from the past overnight right so it was it was still hard i was honestly still getting in a a lot of trouble (laughs) when i was at job corps even though i was doing well i was also up to some shady shiz at the same time
1: like were you still slinging drugs or what were you doing
0: i think i was still mm, i wasn't selling drugs I might've still been using them at times when we, you know, on the weekends and stuff with friends, but, uh, I was still stealing things I had. So (laughs) the bad thing about being in charge, you know, having that responsibility and be in charge of the position I was in is you're given all that responsibility, but you're also given access that, uh, you know, maybe not everybody should have and they, them not know. They don't, they know nothing hardly about you when you go in there. They don't know what kind of stuff I was doing prior to going in there and that sort of thing. But at some point, somehow I got the master keys, no joke to every Uh-oh. single locker on the whole facility. And it's well, three different dorms, one, two, three, three or four different dorms. No, four dorms. There was two women's dorms and two men's dorms. And here I am in maintenance where I have access. Maintenance is the only trade that has access to every facility because we get like calls for uh, you know, you need to fix this in this dorm and you need to fix this and that dorm. And so now I have access to all four facilities. I'm in charge of my trade and now I have the master keys oh, to, to everything. So yeah, I'd uh, get in a little trouble with that.
1: <laughs> so you're getting into lockers and so stuff. i
0: getting into lockers I'm stealing valuable things, you know, if somebody brought like a laptop, you know, or something of high value DVD players, I mean, I, I took a lot of electronics from people and, uh, also like we'd have like paydays where they'd give us, it wasn't much like 30, 40 bucks on, you know, like every other Tuesday or something like that. That's when I would, I literally just open locker after locker after locker, just in hopes that somebody would just leave their money just in plain, plain sight
1: and was nobody, was nobody like saying, well, maybe it's the maintenance yes. guy taking all this? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: We, we gonna get to that. Here we okay. go.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: so, so, so every time something <clears throat> high value like that, I mean, I stole laptops and different things, you know, like high value dollar things and clearly that they report it and then they're thinking how it's here somewhere, how they going to, you know what I mean? So they're thinking someone's going to smuggle it out in their backpack or whatever. And so they'd search us all before we got on the bus the, for the weekend. Cause we get to leave on the weekends. And uh, so what I do is I'd hide that stuff like uh, in like the maintenance facility. I knew how to get in the maintenance facility without keys and things. You know what I mean? So what I do is I take some of the stuff, I'd stash it in the maintenance facility. And then I would, no joke, I would drive all the way back up. So I take the bus home, go through the whole process of them. Shaking down all of us and checking all of our bags, knowing they ain't going to find nothing. And then I know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I caused all of it, you know? And uh, so then I would drive back up and uh, I literally had a park hike up a mountain because this is in Job Corps. We were based in Job Corps is on the mountain in like South Ogden. It was kind of up there, you know, it's gated off. Like you can't just drive up there, you know, me going back, I had to be sneaky (laughs) side park and I'd hike up the mountain and there's rattlesnakes and stuff up there. It's crazy. (laughs) Wow. So yeah, go through all those motions. I got creative. I mean, it's, it's amazing how creative you could get when you're in this, in the moment and in the situation. Um, I had a, uh, we, we went on like a field trip and I had a box of like what was supposed to be chips. I acted like I was bringing from a, like a, a dorm party. Like, Hey, I got all these extra chips. I'll just bring those. But it was only chips on top. And the bottom of the box is just full of like DVD player uh, DVDs. And I got like a Nintendo 64. Ones. <laughs>
1: like, wow. A bunch
0: of, so what What we do is like the one time we went to like Liberty park or sugar house park, one of those. And uh, you know, we're supposed to all be hanging out together. I just get off we just get there and I would just immediately hop on a UTA bus, run to my grandma's or wherever I was staying and drop off all my stuff and then come right back. <laughs> so just getting creative and getting sneaky with the way that I did things, you know?
1: And then who were you selling these to those same adults?
0: Um, um I think some of the stuff I was, I was keeping and, or, you know, laptops and, you know, like things <coughs> that I couldn't, af- things I couldn't afford to have. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I kept some of the stuff come to think of it back in those days, but, but then, you know, and then other things, I just, yeah, I wasn't always playing by the rules there. I was just giving up, you know, making it look like I was a lot of the time and playing along and, you know, in front of everybody, but in the dark, you know what I mean? I was always up to no good for the yeah. most part. And then those dang master keys, I'm telling you, that was, <laughs> I had it. So I had a girlfriend there. Anytime any guy would mess with her or anything, you know, I mean, I'd go right for their locker and just totally, like, sabotage and take all their stuff. But anyways, you were talking about, <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, you were talking about, was anybody ever onto it? You know Yeah, what I mean? and yeah, they, yeah, And Abso, what really triggered it was I took the whole, the president of the whole center, he left his money out, and I took his money. So, I took the president of, like, the whole, of all of Job Corps, and I took his money. So, then it became, you know, like, all right we got to get to the bottom of this. And I was like the number one suspect because of clearly my position. And so, yeah, they pulled me aside, searched my locker up and down. They wanted my key, you know, cause they were trying to see if my key fit other, other stuff. And you know what I mean? If it would get into other lockers. So they were testing my key and they were, you know, just destroyed my locker going through everything. I was clearly singled out. I was the only one, you know, they had, a, they had me stripped down, like, checking my shoes, my socks, all that kind of stuff. Well, about 30 minutes before all that happened, when we were outside, I had given the key, the keys, and all my money to my girlfriend. And so, she was holding the bag for me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, I escaped on that one. And then, after that, you know, they they, they never really, couldn't really bring me down. And I think I calm I kind of slowed down a little bit after that because I knew how hot it was getting and I didn't want to get busted because I was too close to graduation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so uh, I skated through that whole experience and uh, didn't get in any trouble. But I still have all the, you know, the accolades from all the positive I did. I was able to walk away with that.
1: Like the white hat and the president. The white hat,
0: being dorm president, and I was the MVP of, of our basketball team. And we won, you know, my dorm won the championship and all that kind of stuff. So it was fun.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, you're doing all the shady stuff in the back background. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So then you did graduate. You got these accolades. Then where did your life take you?
0: All right. This is all right. This is where it, I have one more one more really negative experience before I really started turning things around. So, like I said, I, the ex- positive experiences of job corps were good. It was you know a starting point. I was trying to build on that, but I was still getting in trouble and I was still trying to, you know, navigate and separate myself from some of what I was doing, which was super hard. Cause, like I said, when everybody, your circle and everybody that you know are those type of influences, you know, when your own family's, when your own family are drug users and, you know, what I mean, they don't have any problem whipping that stuff out in front of you or inviting you into that circle of people. It's, it's hard. You got to start cutting people out of your life. You know what I mean? Like, or separating yourself from them on some level. But so what happened was the, for me, and I don't understand why this don't happen to to others is, um, my girlfriend got pregnant. Right. So I was starting to get, you know, geared up for being a dad and super overwhelming, you know, at a young age. How old were you? I was shoot. Nineteen. How old was she? 18, 17, okay. 18, And uh but I wasn't done getting in trouble <laughs> at the same time. So what happened was I was still using meth, out of job course. I'm graduated. I'm you know, I don't still don't know exact now I'm graduated, but I still don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. You know, what I mean I I graduated as a facilities maintenance technician or whatever. And so I'm just working a job as like a handyman, you know, nothing crazy. Mm -hmm. Working at like an apartment complex. And luckily I didn't get any trouble doing that. I was minding my P's and Q's and wasn't disrespecting anybody's stuff or stealing anything. And I was trying, but like I was still using drugs and I was still hanging out with the wrong crowd. And I was, I was trying to do the right thing. So one of my little side hustles I guess back in those days was I used to fix potholes. You okay. know, you just have like parking lots with potholes and and I learned that from one of my mom's druggy boyfriends, you know what I mean? He would do it like so Mickey Mouse, cheap, just earning that quick buck. And that's kind of like I was I seen the checks, I seen the money and how easy it was to do it, so I was trying to do that myself. And uh So it's kind of like my little own business, I guess, you know, like my first entrepreneurial little adventure and I was fixing those potholes. But what I did, I was doing good. I wasn't doing any of it legit. You know, I wasn't registered. I wasn't insured. I wasn't any of that stuff. I literally had business cards and invoices, you know, like that's it. And uh, I'm out hustling. And then what happened was I started getting deeper into bigger jobs that I, I wasn't even ready to do, but I was, taking them on. So now I need equipment. Now I need this. Now I need, you know, all this extra stuff. And so I was biting off more than I could chew at the time for what I, my knowledge, what I knew how to do and the experience that I had, it just, it wasn't there for what I was trying to get myself into. And I didn't know how to, now you'd have resources, right? You'd have YouTube, you'd have all these, you know, all these resources to tap into, to try to overcome some of that stuff. But I didn't. So I was just trying to, you know, navigate my way through it. But what happened was, and I don't even know where in the middle, it's kind of a blur, if I'm being honest, like some of this stuff right out of Job Corps, because I had so much going on at the same time, like on top of, you know, I was trying to do that, but I was also, you know, methed out at times and just high as a kite and still robbing and stealing. And I mean, I had a, a fake ID, like what's it called? Like identity theft type stuff going on. A lot. Like it was a lot. So it all hit me at the same time. It's hard to think about the exact steps of what took me to this point. But I just, cause like I said, it's all a blur. And when you're under the influence of some kind of drug and stuff, it's, it gets crazy. So at some point I, I burglarized a business. And like broke in, in the middle of the yes, night. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, you know, I was, I was high and I burglarized a business I stole a bunch of equipment and then at the, around the same time while I was doing the fixing potholes and the asphalt stuff, I had used a fake ID to rent a bunch of equipment that I probably had no business, right? I barely even knew how to use. And I was so young that the people, the people uh, took my license plate number and stuff. I was using a fake ID, fake name, all that stuff. But what tied me to everything was they took my license plate number so all at about the same time all this stuff hit where I burglarized the business, I used that fake ID to take some of the stuff to the pawn shop. I also used that fake ID to rent that other equipment and so it once you know they ran the name for the at the pawn shop and they ran the name at the rent the equipment rental place and then it but they had my license plate. You know, because they had they had been on the guy's name that I was using. You know, identity theft. It was some dude I didn't know. I just did an ID that I found, mm-hmm. and I was just trying to pass it off like that was me. It all tied together, and then the they had my license plate, so that's how it were they. You know, they got me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they got me. They had you know all the evidence they needed once they put all the pieces together because of that. And no joke, I'm t- one. 19 I think I'm still 19 years old when all this stuff hits. 19 years old and now I'm charged with seven felonies.
1: Like did they come to your house and oh, yeah. find you? Oh yeah. And and your girlfriend at the time's pregnant. Mhm. Oh wow. Yeah,
0: so yeah, they come knocking and uh they got me on on all that, you know. So I mean, I immediately went to jail. I think I spent 14 or 15 days in jail. And then had to do all the, you know, all the plan and all that kind of good stuff. And I think all in all, when I got sentenced, we were able to reduce all that stuff down to two felonies, two felony convictions out of seven. And I ended up doing, you know, I think I got like a 60 or 90 day. Like probation? No, I went to jail for, I I legit spent like 45 days in jail. It was all nothing too crazy, but it's enough. (laughs) It was enough for me for sure. Because I remember that, you know, in the meantime, baby's on the way. I have my baby's born. and While uh, you're in jail? No. Oh. Before, just just before. Okay. But I think what really hurt, this is like the turning point, like the absolute turning point was me being in jail and having, you know, seeing my kid come visit me while I'm in jail, you know, behind the the glass and all that kind of stuff, you know, it was just, I just knew that. How crappy it was, you know, for me growing up, and how I didn't have a dad, and and the environment that I grew up in, and like it, in that moment, it just hit me so hard that that was just not what I wanted for my kid. And so, from that point on, it's I've literally been a, like a super changed man just from just from that experience and just having that awakening and having that hit you. Sure, that's why I'm saying I can't believe how many parents, how many dads, or you know, there's probably some moms too that. That that doesn't have that impact, you know, like, what does it take, you know, like, and what did it take for me, you know, cause nothing, nothing ever worked for me before to turn me around or get me on a straight and narrow or get me to give up what I was doing or to stop getting in trouble or, or anything. So, but it, it was, it was that. You know which it should be. (laughs) So well,
1: and plus, you just weren't getting caught.
0: Yeah, all these times you were
1: never getting caught, so you never were put in jail, and so then you're put in jail for a significant amount of time. Plus, the baby factor Uh comes into play. Yeah, but you literally—that's when you flip the switch.
0: I mean, I had to flip the switch. Yeah, yeah. Because and I still to this day, you know, (laughs) here I am in my (laughs) forties. I I still count my blessings like every day. Like there's literally things, no joke. I mean. I didn't go into complete detail on some of the, some of the other little actions and stuff, but there's things that I have done that I be I would be serving longer prison sentences than the people I know in prison right now wow. for things that I did, you know, before I was even twenty. I mean, stuff with uh, you know, stolen guns and burglary and robbing people, straight up people,
1: like at gunpoint.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like I robbed a drug dealer for, you know, thousands of dollars and pounds of marijuana. Like it stuff got hot, so I had a lot a lot of that stuff weighing on me and, you know, watching my back and, you know, all those different Yeah, things. you're but
1: lucky they didn't come back and kill you or something. Even, yeah, even
0: the 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 burglary charge, I got possession of stolen property. I didn't get the burglary charge. Mm. They couldn't tie me you know, and I had to act like, you know, no, I just bought this stuff, stuff from a friend and da da da. I'm not giving you his name and all that kind of stuff. Cause all they could really charge me with was the action of possessing it. Mm-hmm. They couldn't charge me with the burglary, but a burglary, you know, that's all an enhanced charge too, you know, that you could serve prison time for, sure. <laughs> I mean, all those things. So like I said, I've I still to this day count my blessings. I'm just, you know, happy that I made it through those days. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, i mention it almost on a regular basis that there's things like could have been in prison for so it's like when people are in prison i i look at it differently now because you know not everybody's as bad as they may be maybe what their charge says they are
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know because i'm like i've been through all those things or worse and i don't feel like you know today today me <laughs> should have you know should be in prison or you know i'm a you know like you said i'm now i own a business now i own a home i have three kids i'm married you know what i mean i'm a straight and narrow. Yeah. All those things. I didn't need prison to change me. You just got to figure out, you know, your why and, you know, your purpose to be a better person in the end, I guess.
1: Well, they say, I don't know the exact statistic, but it's between 85 and 90 percent, I want to say, of the people that are incarcerated have suffered some form of abuse. So if you think about it, you are a product of your environment. And a lot of what you went through was because you didn't have a lot of parental guidance you know, a father figure in your life. You had a lot of anger, you know. Mm-hmm. So these things happen to you, abuse in a way, right? Yeah. Abuse, you know, mentally and emotionally, I would say, right. Um, that you just, and you didn't have, you know, your mom saying, don't do drugs. She's like, I do drugs. Go ahead, do drugs, you know, type thing. And so um, it's just interesting to me that, you know, you really kind of struck a chord. I had a little epiphany there where people who are in prison. They probably suffered some form of abuse in their life and Mm -hmm. some very traumatic experiences, and they've never learned to deal with it. And so that's their way. I'm not saying whatever they did was fine. Right, right. But again, product of your environment.
0: Yeah, no, I'm a a big believer in that. And I mean, yeah, and then to add a little extra to it. Yeah, during those days when I was using drugs and, you know, stealing stuff, it was directly, you know, with my family. Mm -hmm. You know, I was using, you know, it was my closest people to me that were supplying the drugs the closest people to me that knew i would like if i went stealing stereo stuff or whatever types of things that i was getting into i i could walk into my house at you know in the middle of the night you know midnight one two three in the morning and shoot there was a good chance that my mom or or somebody was still awake on drugs themselves sure and i'd literally be showing them what i just stole you know like here look check out what i got so, there wasn't anybody to to coach me in a different direction or, and, and set me straight, you know?
1: <laughs> Where are those people now? Are they still doing drugs?
0: I think they're still probably light drug users, at least. But I've, you know, I'm, I talk to my mom on the regular and I think she's doing good. Some of the other people, um, maybe not so much, but I've also you know, wised up. And like I said, you got to cut some people out. You got to limit your time with people and boundaries. They're not those, the people that were my influences back then are definitely not my influences today. You know what I mean? Right. So like I said, just had a, I had to grow myself. And like I said, having to have my baby on the way and just knowing that that's not the father that I wanted to be was that big moment in, in my life to, to learn and grow from. <laughs> and, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad it happened. I, I I joke that like my daughter saved my life, because sure. if I wouldn't have had her, you know, like what what might I have continued to do? How what level would I have taken it? And to me, you know, I was so reckless that I I would have done damn near anything, just on my own or like having those influences. You know, like I mean, and it was it was close. <laughs> it was really close. There's a lot of people that uh, knew me from those junior high, high school years, kind of like family, friends and things that they couldn't believe, you know, they haven't seen me for years. Like they can't believe that I didn't go to prison, Like that's how bad, like they, I had all those signs that this is the type of person, this is where I was heading. You know what I mean? Like I was just off the rails. So.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't go to prison. I didn't know you then.
0: Yeah. I got
1: to know you and you were on the up and up, uh, <laughs> fortunately. But right? it just shocks me. I, I had no idea. I didn't know that about you. But you are such a like positive person now. And to see the things that you invest in in yourself to grow and the way your kids have turned out, your two girls. I know you got your little guy. He just turned five, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, to see the impact you're being on him and in his life, you're... It's almost like when you've been through those things, you do everything to be what those people were not, right? So you're like there for your son. He's priority. I know you spend every waking moment you can with him and making lasting memories and teaching him good, you know, uh, human qualities. So that's amazing.
0: Yeah, I guess that's where – that's why, you know, I – I don't have any regret or anything of, you know, any of those, I mean, it was definitely wrong and looking back, you know what I mean? You know, would I've done things different, I don't know, like, I don't probably not because I would have still been in the same environment and only known what I known. And so, you know, all you could do is learn from those experiences and grow from them and find different ways to apply that knowledge to, you know, today and the people around you today. So, I mean, you know, that's, you're right. I mean, I, it was good in a lot of ways it was good for me like mm-hmm. looking back now you know as as wrong as it was it's made me you know, who i am today by going through that and you I wouldn't feel,
1: change a moment of it
0: i just feel like so much stronger like when you've been in those types of you know the depths like that the darkness mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i feel like i could definitely navigate anything in the light a lot easier because of you know, being in those moments of such negativity and, you know, and all that and going through those experiences, like if you could get through certain things, and it just makes you a stronger person, right? And I know many people's gone through a lot worse and, you know, different forms of abuse and all those things, but but not everybody is able to bounce back from it. I noticed though, too, you know,
1: mm-hmm. some
0: people it makes soup like a lot stronger and they use that and they grow and it, it helps them become a stronger person but then sometimes you know people can't let things go and they never i don't know they never have that moment where something really hits them right to where they could uh turn the page on something and, and continue to grow themselves from from all that and so like and that's what i feel like kind of happened with some of my other friends and family that are in prison today you know that's i've always felt a little bad like that i you know switch turn the page <laughs> And and they didn't.
1: But and they had that opportunity. They had the
0: opportunity, yeah. But I like, guess, like I said, I just being that negative influence back then. I feel like I kind of took them down that path. Mm-hmm. And where I was, I had that moment, and I was strong enough to overcome. You know, they didn't. Yeah, they had. They every we all have the the opportunity, right? I mean, at any moment we could all decide that we've had enough, or we want to do something different. You know, but uh not everybody does for whatever reason. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. What advice do you have for somebody that might be listening saying, I want to turn my life around too. Maybe they don't have a big impactful event like you did becoming a dad sitting in jail. What advice do you have?
0: I mean, for, for me, especially in today's day and age with there's so many resources to do and be whatever you want to be. Right. I mean, so if you don't like your environment you know, change it. <laughs> it's like You could, it's okay. Right. Like you could cut people off. You could find new friends. You could find positive friends. Like there's so many ways to reach people now that didn't exist back then. I mean, with, you know, Facebook, social media, Facebook groups, what do you love to do? I mean, do you love, uh, outdoors? You want to go camping? You want to go four wheeling, you know, whatever it is, like there's a group right. for that and people, in that group that are going to be, you know, pop, most likely more positive influences than, than, uh, where you're at right now. Maybe not, but you got to take the action. That's the main thing. Like you have to decide for yourself that you've had enough of whatever it is and you got to, you know, take that path. Just take, take that action to change your trajectory. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, it's just not going to happen on its own. Like, right. <laughs> right. I'm like, you have to kind of force the issue a little bit and, and just do it. And, I said, there's so many resources, so many people that uh, that would help too. You know what I mean? And I don't remember any of that being a resource in my younger years. Like, who, where would you go for help? Who would you talk to? Sure. As a kid, or or whatever. And now there's so many people. I mean, like your organization. You know, like there's organizations, there's groups of people, there's so many people that want to help. I mean everybody's want to help people in some way shape or form it seems like yeah anymore so just know that there's a resource like for everything <laughs> and uh
1: that's a great point I mean it really is and your kids have turned out great so what did you do as a dad I mean I don't, not that I know of they've gotten into any crazy trouble I mean your girls have graduated um, both of your girls are graduated now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and your son seems to be doing great as well. So what advice do you have as a dad to, to say, Hey, here's what I'm doing with my kids to make sure they go down the right path. I mean, obviously there's so many influences outside of you
0: right. that could
1: change that. But what advice do you have?
0: I mean, for me, it's just, you have to make sure that they, that you show love. <laughs> First of all, mm. that you gotta, you gotta show love. And, uh, I think you do in that, you do that by, Being there by listening, um, being someone that they could talk to, um, creating positive experiences, um, coaching them, you know, showing them new things. Like I said, I wasn't trained for any of it. You know what I mean? As a dad, I didn't know how to be a dad. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I get better at it every day just because, you know what I mean, all the experiences of going through, man, two girls was rough, Mm -hmm, (laughs) especially at a young age. and then everything that they've been through growing up and, but, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not super, super parent or anything. I don't think by any means, but I mean, I just, I mean, I just make sure that they know that I'm, I'm there and they know that I'm there at Yeah, all, I can at see you're times. very
1: involved in their lives, which is very yeah, important. I mean,
0: just being, yeah, being involved, you just have to show that they they're important to you, that they matter. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, you know, we all sleep better at night knowing that there's love Right. And we all care about each other and that we'd all do anything for each other. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is right there. I think, you know,
1: I got a couple more questions before we move on to 20 questions. Cause we're running out of time. Unfortunately, <laughs> the first question I have is what do you know for sure? Oh, what do you know for sure?
0: What do I know for sure
1: mm-hmm.
0: about anything?
1: Just what do you know for sure?
0: I mean, Up is up, down is down. (laughs) What do I know? All right, what do I know for sure? That's a tough question, dude. For real, like
1: you can answer your own question. You know for sure you're a product of your environment, right?
0: I mean, we all are. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah. Um,
1: I think you've said plenty of things in today's conversation. Yeah, no, I
0: mean, what I know for sure. So. Yeah, I mean, kind of keeping it with what we're we're talking about. Like one thing, and you said it that I absolutely love is your mess is Your message. Mm-hmm. I've heard that a lot lately. Yeah, I think everybody's so afraid, embarrassed. You know what I mean? Or you know they don't want to talk about traumatic experiences or things that you know maybe they did. You know, like get in trouble, having multiple felonies or whatever, whatever it is, right? And I felt like that for a long time. You know, I. I never I just told you before we started that, you know, this I don't talk about this kind of stuff usually with yeah. people pretty tight circle, you know.
1: Well, and this is your first podcast. And my
0: first podcast. So and the know, first time out you've party. ever yeah.
1: So, <laughs> here we are. First time you've ever shared it.
0: But uh yeah, your message your message, I mean, you, you don't know how what you've been through is, and and how you've overcome certain things could, you know, maybe positively affect somebody else. I mean, it could be one little thing that somebody hears right i mean yeah. who knows but yeah your message your message like there, i don't think there's anything wrong with with uh sharing whatever positive negative experiences you've been through i like uh when they say that you're going to be judged either way like you're going to be judged you could be the most successful person in the world and you know 50% of people are going to hate you and 50% of people are going to love you so i mean it's a good point you're going to have your people and, that love you and you're going to have your people that don't Yeah. <laughs> so all you can do is just be you
1: And what are you hoping the audience is going to take or the listener is going to take away from our conversation today?
0: Um, I mean, I would just hope to think that, you know, if like I said, if whatever your environment is, that it's that don't have to be your story. You know, if you're especially if you're in a negative space or, you know, life isn't going the way you want it. I mean, we could we could rewrite our story. Any day, (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: at any moment, just by deciding that we're going to do it and just taking the action needed to do it. And then and knowing that there's so many resources to help you along the way in that journey as well.
1: Every day is another chance to turn it all around, as I like to say. Exactly. Another opportunity. All right. Uh, Let's say somebody wants to find you. They want to reach out to you. Your stories inspired them. Maybe they want to come check out your shop. (laughs) Give us the deets.
0: I mean, you know where the shop is.
1: <laughs> yeah, one twenty third Minute Man. Yeah,
0: one two four seven zero South Minute Man <laughs> Drive in Draper, Utah.
1: Yes, yes. But uh,
0: I've been being, I've been trying to be a little bit more active on like social media, sharing my story and stuff too. Sean Singleton eight hundred one. Okay. Um, you that's know.
1: the Instagram. Yeah,
0: yeah, on Instagram.
1: And do you do a lot of Facebook too? A little
0: bit of Facebook. Yeah, you just look me up, Sean Singleton. Okay. But yeah, that's been fun.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, let's move on to twenty questions, if you will. Please choose a number between 1 and 20.
0: I'm going to go with my favorite number, number three.
1: Who was your famous childhood crush?
0: Um, Alicia Silverstone. Really? Yep.
1: Nice. People used to tell tell me I look like her, so you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, and that's you were the one that hooked me up with Stacy Dash, who was a couple episodes back. Well, it's going to be more than a couple episodes back by the time this airs. So she was on uh, Clueless with, yes. with Stacy Dash. Yeah, no.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, I like Stacy. Stacy Dash was kind of a childhood. She'd be like a number two.
1: <laughs> Very cool. So I like that
0: movie Mo Money.
1: Yes, I still need to watch that movie I know you've told me I still need to But thank you for coming on I know this wasn't an easy thing for you to get on here and share But I do know that your message is going to help so many people out there um, And and keep spreading your light That's what you're doing Sharing your story uh, Doing what you're doing as an entrepreneur You know I always love just chatting with you about business stuff And um, I just think you're a really amazing person So it's an honor to have you here And uh As always, you guys, you are worthy, you are enough, and keep on shining your light. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to Speak Loud. If this message resonated with you, please feel free to share it with anyone you feel could use the support. To find out more information about SHARE, our movement, and to join the cause, please visit sharethemovement.org. Until next time.